0: I want to talk tonight about a very, very cheerful subject. Turn with me to Philippians um, 3. And you are finding in uh, Philippians 3. Philippians um, Philippians 3, um, verse um, 13 says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if any, in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Uh, the one thing we're called to do is press forward to the mark for the prize of the high calling. That's the one thing. He says he does, Paul. And it's to the Philippian church he wrote. And if you go back, you'll find in Acts 16 what happened and how the Philippian church was started. And it was started in pain, wasn't started in joy. But um, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 11. Just want to. Christians have a notion that. Um, And it comes out of superstition. um, That if you do God's will, everything goes right. And unfortunately, it's propagated by many people. Uh, They say, oh well, you know, if you're walking God's will, everything goes right. And therefore, they expect in their lives everything to go right, and when it goes wrong they begin to ask, well what have I done wrong? When trials come they begin to say, well what's happened? What have I missed? What's causing it? And um, I find that so apparent with so many Christians that the moment a trial comes, faith vanishes and they don't understand. And I, I'd like to just spend a little while looking at someone who claimed um, when he was talking to uh, the Corinthians, verse 23 uh, says, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. And then he goes on and he starts giving his testimony. In labors, more abundant. This is Paul. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I, forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils amongst false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily the care of all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. If I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern my infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. And it goes on. Um, The thing is, Paul walked in the will of God, didn't he? Hello? And yet, if you listen to his testimony, he found a bit of trouble in life. And if you're really going to be a minister of Christ, you'll find trouble. Um, Trouble follows the ministry. Uh, Because we have an enemy of our souls, and you'll always get trouble. People will misunderstand And poor old Paul, he suffered a lot. Now it didn't mean he missed God's way. It just meant that the reality of it is not what most people put over. Um, If you think that to be a Christian means everything's hunky-dory all the time and there are no trials, you're in for a very rude awakening. If so be you, walk in God. Things do happen. Things do go wrong. Trials do come, but we're more than conquerors, and that's the difference. Um, There are Christians who get into messes, that's because of sin. But this man got into trouble because of the gospel, and that's different. It wasn't sin, it was the gospel. And um, trials that come that way work for your benefit. God wants us to face things in life and realize that though you go through trials you come out the other end. Uh, In the Psalms it says though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I'll feel no evil for thou art with me. Uh, The thing is you're walking through it you're not sitting down in it. Uh, Our God is able to keep us in the midst of everything. Uh, You remember Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego ended up in a fiery furnace. Um, You remember that Daniel ended up in the lion's den because he would pray rather than obey the king. You'll find all through uh, the list of Hebrews, the people of faith, sawn asunder, murdered, you know. Um, Always, being a Christian has a price tag with it. And William Penn wrote, Uh, no cross, no crown and I think that what has happened people forget that Jesus Christ before he wore the crown as king of kings and lord of lords he wore another crown, it was a crown of thorns that men put upon his brow before he conquered all there was the cross he despised the shame and part of Being a Christian, if you're going to walk in God, is to face the fact that if they hated you, Jesus said, they'll hate me. If they persecute me, they'll persecute you. Part of the package. Uh, And if you're not prepared for that part of the package, you'll never be a true Christian. Uh, There is a reproach in the cross. Uh, And what's happened is, is the kind of modern day uh, let's get all the benefits, but no trial um, is false. But it's very prevalent. Um, now, I believe Christ always gives us a victory. But you can't have a victory without a fight. And you can't have a fight without casualties. That's just the way it is. If you go to war, there's going to be wounded, aren't there? Now, Jesus heals, Jesus delivers. But the fact is, you have to go through the trials. There's no way in life you're going to avoid trials. Time and chance happeneth to every man. And the devil will take any chance. And you'll go through trials. Now, the thing that governs the difference between a Christian and someone who's a fair-weather supporter of Christ is the reaction people have when the trials come. When things do go wrong, how do you react? You see, we're to persevere. We're to conquer. We're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. But that doesn't mean that we don't go through the trial. It means that we're victorious in the midst of it. Uh, don't ever think that there's a time when you'll live totally free of trials because that's part of life and that's what God intends it develops you, it strengthens you it fortifies you and the trial of your faith is much more precious than fine gold and therefore God wants to bless you and in blessing you trials come okay? okay Oh, you've all gone quiet. Is that all right? I mean that's the way it is. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it is. In one Corinthians sixteen. The reason we have trials, God is good all the time, is on our side, but there is a devil and he's nasty. It says this in verse 13, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. In other words, there, there's a fact that Christians have got to be men. It takes a man to stand, not a mouse. And God expects us to stand faithful, true and clear and the whole purpose of the enemy is to get us to fear, surrender back off, compromise accommodate and that's not what we do we're Christians we know what we believe, we know for what we stand, that's it we don't give one inch quit you like men but So many times when trials come, be it in the family, in the home, in business, uh, with friends, outside in the world, people when they face trials and they face opposition, they give in. It's not quit you like men, they quit. And God didn't intend us to be quitters. He intended us to be fighters. Fighters. And uh, That's the thing that's so important. I find compromise is the one thing. It's a curse of the Christian church. People think compromise and accommodation is the way it should be. It shouldn't. The word of God is clear. What God says, that's it. No right of appeal. We fight for truth. We stand for faith. And he puts the two things together. Watch. Verse 13, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. And um, I want you to know that that is part of being a Christian. Then if you look with me in 1 Corinthians 12, the great um, kind of Pentecostal and charismatic chapter, because there are people... They, they love to put it over. Now they talk about all the gifts of the Spirit. And then it says we're many members on one body. But it says if one member, I read it out last time, um, if one member suffers, all suffer. Uh, verse 26. But whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Will one member be honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. There's a sense in which suffering is part of life. You're going to suffer trials, you're going to suffer difficulties, you're going to suffer things. And if you're one of those people that believes you never should, then... You're going to discover sooner or later and your faith will go when you face the trials. Your reaction will be, well, what have I done wrong? Why is God letting this happen to me? And that is deadly. Uh, I think it was, um, I can never remember whether it it was Calvin said, for a Christian to ask why is sin? and I agree with that. Never ask why. When things happen, your faith should be in God. When you start trying to give reasons why you go into sin, basically what you try and do is explain away the problem. You see, the issue is sin. Usually. Someone else is sin. If people are persecuting you, they're persecuting you. Because they hate God, aren't they? Hmm? If people come against you, they're doing it because they hate God. They're not really after you. You're just nearer. And they can't reach God, so they have a go at you. Nice of them. If things go wrong, it's usually someone that's doing something nasty, isn't it? Hello? That's the way life is. Uh, There are people out there whose whole life is given over to the devil, so they do the devil's bidding. Hey, that's going to affect you at some time or other, isn't it? Now those trials come into your life, whether you like it or not. Most Christians like to live in this glorified atmosphere of saying, Oh, no, 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 we're we're more than conquerors, no trial happens. Hey, well that's unreality, because when the trial hits you, you're going to face it. and you're a fool if you think you'll avoid it. The only way of avoiding it is to quit being a Christian. Now the question is how you respond to it. Do you quit yourself like a man or do you quit? You get angry at God, you know, why could God shouldn't have let this happen to me? Or do you stand in the midst of all opposition and say, I know my God, here I stand. That really determines who's who. And there aren't many who stand. Just a fact. 1 Peter, 1st epistle of Peter. Chapter 4. Look at this, verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happier ye. For the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. Amen? Now, don't think it's strange that when the fiery trial hits you. Now I find lots of Christians, soon as something really happens, they're in an absolute tailspin well there's no big deal so you've got a trial well get on with it you know happy are you? hmm? yes or no? is is that what it says? if you be reproached for the name of Christ what are you? happy you don't go oh you know how could they say that about me how could they do this happy I'm happy God's good, isn't he? It's on our side. We're winners. Uh, it, It just depends on whether you've got the right reaction inside. It's not a strange thing. Fiery trials come. Things get tough. Well, happy. And if you keep that attitude, then you'll live long and going to church will do you good. If you've got the wrong attitude, you'll feel oppressed, you'll feel downtrodden, you'll feel, you know, what's the point? You'll feel all the things that are negative. As I said, negative speaking and negative thinking destroys people. Good to go through trials. Amen? John um, 6 These are just thoughts, you know, I put together. I thought I'd cheer you up with them. The more I think about it, trials come. Uh, This is the story where Jesus said that you had to eat his flesh and drink his blood. Verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. I'm sure who you are. Uh, I'm positive I know you have the words of life hey there's no one else to go to but Jesus wasn't begging them to stay he was saying are you going to go too our God is not begging you to stay when the heat gets hot in the kitchen do you want to go? fine Uh, trials come Just got to learn how you're going to handle them. Life's like that. Uh, Successful men and failures, there's only one little distinction. They don't quit themselves like men. When trials come, they give in. When opposition comes, they surrender. The successful man's been through the trials and becomes more than a conqueror because the trial strengthens him. His determination gets stronger. He knows that his God is with him. And, and that's the difference between a quitter who's a fool and a man who gives glory to God. And that's what makes the difference in society, it makes the difference in the church, it makes the difference anywhere. God hates quitters. He said, if you put your hand to the plow and you turn back, you're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's it. And there's no choice um, really in it. You've got to make up your mind. That's it. Whatever comes, I'm going to be faithful to the Lord. The most important thing in my life is serving him. People got offended. They didn't like what Jesus said to them. I get people who get offended, you tell them the truth and they get offended with it. Sure they do. The cross is offensive. You know yourself, when the cross comes and the word of God comes, gets inside, it gets offensive. You don't like it. Why? It hurts your ego. But your ego needs hurting, furthermore it needs to die, that Christ might live. And the trials of life knock you down, don't they? Hmm? And then you begin to realize you need to depend on someone greater than you. The only way you're going to survive if you have someone greater. And the power and life you have is the power of God in your life. And he makes you more than a conqueror. Without that you're in trouble. And Jesus just turned around the disciples and said, Okay, do you want to go? Go. Peter says, well, to whom can we go? Now, Peter wasn't the example of the best disciple. He was an impetuous fellow. He always jumped in where others feared a tread. He, he was one of those guys. But he realized who was who. Let's go to Acts 16. It's where I want to talk. You know, we started in a uh, Philippian letter. And... Um, Verse 9 And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him saying come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us For to preach the gospel unto them. Hey, you know, the one thing that happens, here's Paul, he's got a great vision. And you'd think if God gives a man a vision, everything's going to be easy. But when you start to go God's way, things don't always go easy. Sometimes they go the exact reverse way. And um, he learnt that. Uh, Here's a vision. Come and help us. And they all thought, great, let's go. Then in verse 16. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by saying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this she did many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. Now if you've ever, have you ever wondered why? Here's a devil following Paul and the others. These are the men of the Most High God. She's making a declaration. Have you ever wondered why Paul got irritated with her and in the end dealt with a demon? Well if you do wonder I'll tell you why and then you know. So you won't wonder anymore. The reason was she was coming along, she was identifying and she was advertising these disciples by a spirit of divination. But what she was doing while she did that and the devil's very crafty, he was identifying with the very people who had come to bring the gospel. Now sooner or later that woman was going to be shown for what she was. And she had brought the ministry down. You get someone come along and they advertise the ministry and they seem to be part of it. She wasn't part of it. She came from the devil. Now she was speaking the truth. They were showing the way of salvation. They had come to proclaim the gospel. And she wanted to be part of it. And so there she was, a soothsayer, with a spirit of divination, and she comes along and she says, Look, I'm one of them. I'm part of this. They've come to show us the way of salvation. These are men of the Most High God. And then she identifies herself with the very people, but she wasn't part of them. And he didn't want that kind of advertisement, he didn't need it. And so, It grieved him in spirit and he turned around and cast the devil out. And there's very often you watch there are certain people that want to identify with you. Well there's people that want to identify with you and they want to say all the right things for all the wrong reasons. When they're identified with you then they manifest what they really are and they bring disrepute to the gospel. They bring it down. And the reason they bring it down is people say, well, you know, isn't it great, good advertisement? Well, it's not a good advertisement when it's the devil, is it? Hello? So that's what she was about. And Paul realized what she was doing, cut her down. And then when she, cut her, he, she was cut down, uh, you see the next reaction. Um, And when her masters saw that their hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive. A moment ago the one they were employing and thought they'd get much money from was welcoming Paul and Silas and the disciples saying these are the men of the most high God they've come to show us the way of salvation the moment they saw there was no financial gain they turned on the disciples so it was all to do with money and the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Hey, here's a man who finally deals with a devil that's irritating him, grieving his spirit. A woman who's making a lot of money for her masters by her gainsaying. She Paul deals with the Spirit. Now he ends up. Now this is the very vision he had of a man beckoning, saying, "Come and help us." And he's thrown into the deepest dungeon. He's beaten. The tumult rise up against him. Has he missed God's way? no. But it didn't go the way he expected. When he saw the man saying, come and help us, he thought this was going to be a wonderful cakewalk. Where it was. It was a rock cake. Uh, It was real hard. And, And suddenly he's ended up, and he's got a bloody back, and beaten, feeding the stocks, What's his response? Oh God, why did this happen? And at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. Hey, this is, they've just been flogged near to death. And so they're singing praises to God in the cell. I see a lot of people, when they go into the midst of a trial, the last thing they do is praise God. They have a pity me party. You don't understand why this has happened. Can't understand why God let this happen to me. What have I done wrong? What's happening? Why do I feel this way? How come this has happened? How come God would let that happen? Why did God not do something about it? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't I know this? Why didn't I know... Why did this happen? I don't know how... Was Paul doing that? Did he sit down with Silas and say, Silas, we must have missed it. Silas, uh, here we are, sitting in the prison, got our feet in stocks. We've been beaten. Our backs are bleeding. We're in the worst part in the innermost dungeon. It stinks like an open sewer hey, what have we done wrong? Did I miss it? Was it a vision from God or was it the devil that spoke to me? Was it really a call of God or or had somehow the devil deceived me? How did it happen? I was as faithful as I knew to be. Was that what he was saying? Hello? Hello? No, he just prayed and they started singing praises to God. You know, the, the other prisoners didn't hear one complaint. I wonder how you get on with trials. Hmm. I wonder when things don't go right, what do you do? Oh God, how could you let this happen to me? Oh Lord. Or do you live by faith, quickly like a man? Stand firm in the faith. Sing praises to God. In the midst of the bloody battle, when your back's bleeding, when everything seems to have been the reverse of what you expected, what do you do? Well, Paul and Silas did what they should do. They sung praises to God. Hmm? They gloried in tribulation. You remember it says, when you go through, char- happier are you. <laughs> they were happy. They were accused of teaching customs that were false. They, were, they weren't false. They were worshipping the true God. You see, they fulfilled what was in Philippians and they fulfilled what was in the Corinthian letter and they fulfilled what was in Peter and they were happy. How happy would you be? Now, they might not beat you and put you in stock but things happen, don't they? Hmm? I'm happy. Or do you snivel away? give up or do you quit you like a man Hmm? it's always a choice isn't it Christianity is not for the coward quit you like men here they are singing and rejoicing and something else happens if you look And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. Hey, that's a great end to a hymn, isn't it? Earthquake settles the matter. Everyone's bands are loosed. The doors all open. And the keeper of the prisoner, waking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. You know, that's the amazing thing about Paul. They didn't run. They didn't say, Oh, what a wonderful deliverance God's given us. Let's quit. No, God said quit you like men stand having done all you stand they didn't say well this is a way of escape God's provided a way of escape they stayed there and when the ruler of the prison woke up and he suddenly found the doors were open he was going to kill himself and Paul could call out and say hey don't do yourself any harm we're all here not one of us has left I find too many people try to get out of their trials instead of becoming more than conquerors in them. And then Paul learned who it was who had beckoned him to Macedonia. It was the jailer. And the only way he could meet that jailer was to get cast into the innermost prison. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before, before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, now here's the guy who's beaten them. Here's the guy who's thrust them into the innermost prison. Here's the guy who's put their feed in stocks. <laughs> and here's the guy who's saying, Sirs. There'd been a change in attitude. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, Believing in God with all his house. Hey, that, that's a transformation, isn't it? But when Paul had the vision and someone beckoning him, he didn't know how the vision was going to be accomplished. He thought it was going to be one easy way. And suddenly he found God had a different plan. That's the church at Philippi that Paul wrote to. That's how it began. The man's house was in the jail. All his household. It was a jailer. And who knows what God's got in store for you. But there's trials. There's great rejoicing. When he went through trials, Paul's attitude was so different from people in Christian circles today. What they want, they want to run and flee trials, flee flee temptation, flee all the difficulties. They compromise, they accommodate, they don't want to offend anyone. And what God wants us to do is wake up. Now you'll go through trials, sure you will. If you stand for truth, you're going to face trials. You're going to face opposition. But it's a wonderful opportunity. Sing praise to God. Happy are you. But you see, God is faithful if you make a stand and you compromise and you destroy the people that you say you love. Never yield one inch. That's what Luther did and brought the Reformation in. He nailed his articles to the door and said here I stand that's it that's what I stand for and you've got to be one of those who knows what you believe what you stand for and that's the way it is and there's no accommodation the trouble is the church of Jesus Christ is trying to work out doctrines and teachings that's going to placate people well our teachings don't placate sinners they make him angry. That's it. Can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. Friendship of the world means enmity with God. I'd rather be friendly with God. It's a much nicer life, while well, there's persecutions. You know, if you give, you'll receive a hundredfold in this life with persecutions. Everyone loves the hundredfold, they leave the persecutions out. Persecutions pile a package. It's kind of the salt on all the blessing. Stops you from flying too high. And that's what people need. Need to realise it's part of it, but it doesn't mean that in that sense we're worried about it. Glory to God! It works an exceeding great weight of glory for us when you suffer persecution, trial of your faith, much more precious than fine gold. Glory in tribulation, and it's wonderful, huh? The enemies are the enemies of your own house. It's just—it's a lovely life. Some Christians look at, oh, you know, how can that happen? I don't, you know, oh, how could God let this happen to me? I don't understand. It's part of it. That's what Christianity is about. We like to put that side of it aside and say there's no cross. You don't fill up, fill up the sufferings of Christ, you do. You do have to suffer. You'll find that he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. There is suffering in there. Hm? You have to suffer for the gospel's sake. And if you won't own him before man, he won't own you before God, part of the package. Don't think it's strange, the fiery trial that befalls you, as so some strange thing happens, says Peter. Do you believe him? Tough, isn't it? I I think it's wonderful. It's just so simple. Lots of people look at it and they say, Oh dear, how could that happen? Um, I love it when the jailer says, Sirs, what can we do to be saved? Hey, he's just beaten them half to death, stuck them in the steepest dungeon. Now he's coming and calling them, sir. Brings them out. Within that same hour, he's washing their their stripes. He's taking them to his house. He's sitting them down. He's feeding them. He's rejoicing in God with all his household. What a change! And Paul says, that vision, you know, tremendous. Look the way God led us. Quite a shock. Isaiah 48. Verse 10 says this. Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee where? In the furnace of affliction. I tell you, (laughs) that's one place where you'll be chosen. You know, if you want to purify anything, the furnace of affliction is a sure good way to do it. And there are there's affliction, and when you have affliction, it, it's you know it's part of life. Good part of life. You find also in uh, James. Let's go there. James chapter one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren. Count it all joy when you're prospered. No, it doesn't quite say that. It says, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have a perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Hey, you fall into divers temptations. Do you know it's part of the package of life? Trials come. You get tested all the time, don't you? Well, don't you? And you've got to make up your mind how you're going to live. See, you've got a free choice, you've got a free will, you can choose what you're going to do. Everyone chooses what they do. You end up doing what you want. But there it is. Count it all joy. I find some people fall into temptations and snares and they count it all misery can't understand why I feel tempted well I tell you God wants to give you joy and he wants to bring patience it's a good thing isn't it hmm? count it all joy how many people when you go and you fall into divers temptation oh you know help me pray for me devil's putting all kinds of thoughts in my mind I can't get oh they don't count it joy, they, they go in a panic mode. They think it's a demon. No, it's just part of life. Get on, you're more than conquerors. Through Christ who strengthens you. You're going to be entire, wanting nothing. Count it all joy. It's great life, isn't it? shipwrecks, the odd little whipping, a few prison cells here and there. God <laughs> you know, you wouldn't think that that was the best advertisement for Christianity, would you? If God wanted to write a book that was really pleasing to man, he would have left this bit out. I mean, if that pleased the flesh, you'd leave it out, wouldn't you? There's a lot of things. Now, yet, when it comes to God and the Scriptures, He tells you what you're going to suffer. He tells you the way there's going to be trials. He warns you of what the life of Christ is going to cost. He tells you there's blessing, but He also tells you, hey, there's a cross. Hey, you're going to suffer persecution. Yeah, you'll be blessed, but And he doesn't ignore it. And it's deception if you don't tell people the truth. Because when the persecution and the trials come, they lose faith because they're being told there aren't any. It's all going to be one great ride to the throne. Well, I want to tell you, it's not like that. And people need telling and reminding. Yeah, God heals. Yeah, we see miracles. Yeah, God does wonderful things, but there's a price to pay. Yeah, you can go into the ministry, but there's a price to pay. And the price is high. And you better sit down and count the cost. Because you're going to have to pay it. That's what it's about. It depends whether you really love God or you love the benefits. What can the church do for me or what can I give to God? Which are you? That's really what sorts the men from the boys, isn't it? The boys quit, the men stand. That's why it's such a wonderful life. Great. When the persecution come, people flee. Great, you find out who's real. It's a good life. It's all there in the book. God was faithful, telling you, before it happened. He said, oh, it's come to send fire on the earth in Luke. What if it's already kindled? was wonderful life we're more than conquerors but you've got to conquer something you've got to win okay the trials are there God is good all the time he's on our side amen he's for us and if God be for us who can be against us no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper but it won't dissolve either It's not going to win because God will always give us the victory. But it depends on your reaction as to how you stand in the midst of the storm. Depends on your reaction as how do you cope with it. And God will look and see. Trials come. Divers' temptations befall you to find out what you really are made of, what's really inside you. If you go down, it's because you never really were his. That's why the trials come. Shows who's who. Great life. Okay? Is that clear? Think it not strange. It's good. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Father, I just lift these dear ones to thee. Lord, I just pray that each one you'll cause your word to come and flow to them. Lord, I pray for each one here that you'll cause them to stand and to stand like men. Lord Jesus, let us be those that press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. Keep each one, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.